Hello and welcome to Benaiah, Mighty Man of God by P. H. Thompson, an audiobook. This is chapter nine. Now these were the men who came to David at Ziklag while he was still a fugitive from Saul, the son of Kish, and they were among the mighty men, helpers in the war, armed with bows, using both the right hand and the left in hurling stones and shooting arrows with the bow. They were of Benjamin, Saul's brethren. First Chronicles twelve one to two. Beniah, Mikhail, and Eleazar spent their days training with David's other men in the wilderness of Paran. It felt good to belong. Beniah had never fought in a real national army, but chose the life of a mercenary soldier. While many of the men who joined with David were formerly discontented, indebted, and distressed, as Uriah had said when they first arrived, with him they found purpose. Beniah was especially surprised to find many of Saul's clan, the Benjamites, had defected to David. Although it was true many of them came for the personal gain associated with the life of a mercenary soldier, they were nevertheless many men with whom Benaiah was impressed. Whenever he heard of their exploits, none of the stories ever came firsthand, as the men were as humble as they were valiant. Each story came from someone who had witnessed the battles. There was Jashabim the Tachmanite, who single-handedly killed hundreds of men, when the others arrived to help, his muscles were still so tense, his hand was stuck to his sword, and the other soldiers had to pry it out of his hands. All that was left for them to do was to plunder. The Lord had brought about a great victory that day. Abishai, David's nephew, fought against three hundred men and killed them. He became one of the captains. Others stood their ground in the center of a field of lentils and fought off the Philistines. They watched it as the new men trained. Benaiah was amazed to see their ability to shoot arrows or hurl stones from a slingshot with equal skill using either hand. Not an easy feat. That kind of finesse was not a gift he had been given. He had brute strength, able to wield his club with deadly effect. He obtained his sword from among the slain enemies of the Lord, as most of the men had. It didn't take long for him to learn to use it, as he had against the two aerials of Moabite soldiers. He could also use his wits, and he possessed surprising agility, which was necessary in his fight against the giant Egyptian. But the reason any of them triumphed over their enemies was because the Lord was with them. Of that he was sure. Benaiah emerged from his tent to see David storming through the camp, kicking over pots. He looked to Uriah the Hittite with a question in his eyes, he came near to Benaiah and spoke quietly. He just received word about his wife, Michal. What of her? Saul has married her off to someone named Palti, son of Laish. But they are not divorced. Precisely. David knows Saul did it only to cause more grief and show his power over him. He did something similar when he gave his elder daughter, Mirab, to another when she was promised to David for killing Goliath. Benaiah recalled that David had told him about that. He could only imagine how frustrated David must feel. Marriage to another man was not something that could be undone without consequences. He must also be grieving her loss. From what David had told him, he did love Michal. He had to leave her behind when he fled for his life. She had even helped him escape through a window while she, she claimed he was sick. David was told she had made an image of him under the covers so they'd think he was in his bed. Saul must have been furious to have been so deceived by his own daughter. 
Benaiah wondered what David would do now. Many of his men had their wives with them. He must have felt his own loneliness keenly. Benaiah knew that many kings took more than one wife. Perhaps David would begin to search again. But he didn't know how well that would work out. Being on the run in the wilderness was not the best place to find a suitable wife. Soon after, fifty of David's men were again in the wilderness near Carmel. They were helping the shepherds of a man named Nabal from Maon, who had business in Carmel. They spent several weeks encamped with the shepherds, helping to guard Nabal's extensive flocks. So what's there to see in Carmel? Mikhail asked one of the shepherds one evening as they sat around a fire warming themselves. The shepherd laughed as he added another log to the fire. The same thing you'll see in every other hamlet in the country, unless you count the monument King Saul set up for himself in the center of town. He didn't, Mikhail exclaimed. It's true. It says he's the first king of Israel, which is true enough, names his sons, and then lists his exploits in battle, especially his victory over the Amalekites. Unbelievable! That was the episode of disobedience that sealed the loss of his kingdom. Why would he boast about that? Benaiah exclaimed. Someone should add his murder of the priests and people of Nob to that monument, Mikhail said wryly. That's what he'll be remembered for. Benaiah nodded his agreement. He felt nothing but disdain for the king. A monument in his honor, lest the name of Saul be forgotten? Benaiah felt the urge to spit at the thought of him. David's men returned to him from the wilderness of Paran and reported that Nabal would begin shearing his sheep. Apparently Nabal was quite wealthy with 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. David's personal history as a shepherd gave him an understanding of what was involved. He sent Benaiah and nine others back with him to assist Nabal's servants and to ask him for some provisions in return. Shepherding wasn't really something Benaiah was familiar with, but when David said go, Benaiah went. They found the man himself in the midst of the sheep shearing. It was a grand event with feasting and dancing. Nabal looked over his shoulder and saw them approaching, but turned up his large nose at them and then issued orders to his servants, as if their arrival was of no consequence. Benaiah wondered that he wasn't intimidated by the sight of ten men approaching, who were quite obviously soldiers. They stood by, awaiting the moment when Nabal would acknowledge their presence. Finally, he turned to them with a disdainful expression. Yes, who are you and what do you want? he sneered. Benaiah bowed before Nabal, and the men with him followed his example. My lord, we greet you in the name of our master David, son of Jesse, son-in-law to King Saul. Peace be to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Nabal's slight smile revealed his approval of their recognition of his importance enough to bow before him. I've heard of Saul, of course, but who is David? What is it that he wants? He does want something from me, doesn't he? Doesn't everyone? He laughed at his own joke. His servants were wise enough to laugh as well. My lord, our master David says, I've heard that you are in the midst of shearing. Your shepherds were with us, and we protected them and guarded all that was with them. You can check with them to see if these things are so. Therefore, we ask for a kindness to be shown to my men, since it is a feast day. Please give whatever seems good to you. Benaiah waited and waited. He waited so long he wondered if Nabal would even answer. When he finally did, Benaiah was shocked. Who is David, 
And who is this son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each one from his own master. Yet he expects me to take my bread and my water and my meat, which I have killed for my shearers, in order to take it and give it to men when I don't even know where they're from? Nabal practically shrieked at them. He can't be serious. Tell him to beg elsewhere. With that, he turned away from them and issued more orders to his servants. The matter apparently settled. Benaiah recovered from his shock quickly, stood and bowed once more to Nabal. He caught the shocked and apologetic expressions on the faces of the servants. Benaiah shot them a look of warning and then turned on his heel and marched away, pondering the arrogant response from the scoundrel. In spite of his comments, he had no doubt he had heard of David. Did he have no common sense enough to fear this man? It took Benaiah the length of time to return to camp to put his finger on what exactly annoyed him most about Nabal. It was his bully-like demeanor. He hated bullies, hated how they put others down so they could feel superior, how they used force and intimidation to get what they wanted, like the boys who had a part in Amizabad's death. David had been so respectful to Nabal, more than he deserved, apparently. More than this, he wondered how David would respond to this insult. Keep listening for chapter 10.